Coming up, a novel about three generations of women whose family business is witchcraft. A look at our brains. Plus our distraction of the week. I'm Mel. I'm Dave. This is the Library of Lost Time. So before we get started, just a short programming note. We will not be here next week. This podcast will not appear. We are headed to Scotland. We are going to enjoy some scones and bacon sarnies and take in the windswept islands of Shetland. And look for Jimmy Perez. <laughs> we will probably tell you more about that when we get back, but just wanted to let you know, no Library of Lost Time on Friday, March 10th. My book pick this week is Wayward by Amelia Hart. This book has three things that are irresistible to me. What are those? One, a story that's set in one location across three different time periods. Two, crows. Yeah. Three, witchcraft. Oh, well, there you go. The action takes place in a remote village in Cumbria. That's an English county that's so far north, it may as well be in Scotland. The name of the village is Crow's Beck. Did you know that a beck is a stream? No. I had to look it up. Do you guys know that a beck is a stream? (laughs) Write us and tell us. Let us know. (laughs) We meet one of our heroines in 2019 London. Her name is Kate. She's relocated to Crow's Beck to escape an abusive relationship. She goes to live in a cottage that she inherited from her eccentric Aunt Violet. I wish I had an Aunt Violet. Yeah, especially an eccentric Aunt Violet. Aunt Violet was an entomologist, and she could command crows. As Kate's getting settled and poking around her new home, she finds a cache of documents about her family's powers, a secret that dates back to 1619 when her ancestor, Altha Wayward, was put on trial for witchcraft. I read almost exclusively on a black and white Kindle. Yeah. So I don't really get to enjoy book covers myself, although I do like to look at them. Sure. Oh, sometimes I'm amazed when we go into a bookstore and we see a book cover for something I've read. Yeah, I know. It's like, wow, I feel like I'm getting reintroduced to a new version of this book. Yeah. The cover for Wayward is so beautiful. It looks like a cabinet of curiosities. The illustration is all done in jewel tones. And in the center, there's a handsome crow surrounded by fruits and plants and mushrooms and colorful insects. If we see this book out in the wild, I will buy a hard copy of it. That's Wayward by Amelia Hart, and it's out on March 7th. Why do our brains work the way they do? One example of the weirdness in our brains is, is nightmares. When I'm stressed out, I might have a nightmare and maybe it wakes me up. This is my brain waking itself up because my brain is worried about something my brain made up. (laughs) True. What is that? (laughs) And that wrecks the restorative properties of sleep, which is a thing my brain needs for reasons nobody understands. (laughs) But we'll go crazy if we don't get sleep. How long are we supposed to endure this tyranny? (laughs) If you're curious about the sometimes traitor, sometimes invaluable collaborator in your head, let me recommend a new book. It's called Psych, the Story of the Human Mind by Paul Bloom. Paul Bloom is a professor of psychology at the University of Toronto and a professor emeritus at Yale. He's also written for The Atlantic, Slate, and The New Yorker. He understands the value of a good metaphor or or an interesting anecdote. The book he's written is a gentle retelling of his course at Yale, Psych 110, The Introduction to Psychology. He will take you through how we have conscious experience and the value of emotions, 
And then he takes that info and brings it into the relevant now. Why do people believe conspiracy theories? Why does prejudice seem to be on the rise? What's the best way to lead a happy and fulfilling life? My brain would like to learn more about itself. He's very self-absorbed that way. Maybe yours would too. (laughs) This book just came out this week. It's Psych, the Story of the Human Mind by Paul Bloom. And now our distraction of the week. Three strangers have decoded a stack of secret letters that have stumped scholars since the 16th century. What? Yeah. It sounds like the plot of a Neil Stevenson novel. It does. But it really happened. A French computer scientist, a Japanese physicist, and a German opera professor. Yeah. It's like it's a small world. (laughs) Met through the internet. The computer scientist, his name is George Lazary, had found a stack of coded letters in the National Library of France. The letters were from the 16th century. Lazary was just curious. He wanted some help, so he recruited the other two. The code was based on symbols, so it wasn't even clear what language they were dealing with. Mm -hmm. There were 191 distinct symbols, so it wasn't a simple substitution code. Wow. The team transcribed everything into a digital-friendly format, and they fed that to a computer, and then they started trying different languages. The letters had been found in a pile of Italian correspondence, so they tried Italian. Nope. Latin? Nope. French? When they tried French, the computer gave them some possible words. Hmm. Fi, the French word for sun, and ma liberté, my freedom. Mm -hmm. As always, my French accent, est parfait. (laughs) So they start guessing they've got letters from a mother who is being held somewhere sometime in the 16th century. And each word they unlock gets them a little bit further. And then they decoded the word Walsingham. Walsingham. Francis Walsingham was the spy master for Queen Elizabeth I. And they're like, well, that's curious. What captive mother would be talking about Queen Elizabeth in the 16th century? And then they thought, well, her cousin, Mary Stuart, who we all know better as Mary, Queen of Scots, sure. would fit that bill. She was in prison. She was a mother. She would have been sending coded letters about overthrowing Elizabeth. Mary was second in succession to the English throne at the time. And Walsingham was spying on her. Hmm. So they went to some scholars, and the scholars are all like, no, (laughs) that's dumb. There's no way that's right. But the team kept working on it, and they realized that some symbols stood for names or parts of words. Lazary said later it was like doing the world's most Byzantine Sunday crossword. Mm-hmm. But they got through it and decoded all of it. And they sent their findings to John Guy at Cambridge. He's one of the world's leading experts on Mary, Queen of Scots. And he looked at it and he compared it to some other ciphers he'd know, he knew she had written. And he said, this is one of the most important new findings on Mary Stewart in over 100 years. Whoa. Yeah. A scholarly article written by Lazary and his team was just published in the academic journal Cryptologia on the 8th of February. February 8th is also the anniversary of Mary's execution. Aww. Yeah. The letters have already shed light on Mary's many schemes. They say the new information should keep historians busy for decades. Their paper is available online if you want an idea of what modern code breaking looks like. 
or if you're just interested in seeing 16th century spycraft. <laughs> I want someone to write the novel version of that story. Yeah. I would read the heck out of that. Yeah. Feel like it's coming up. Visit strongsenseofplace.com slash library for more on that amazing code breaking and for information on the books we discussed. Thanks for joining us on the Library of Lost Time. Remember to visit your local library and your independent bookstore to lose some time yourself. Stay curious. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>